Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. And we're going to start reading in verse 22. It says this in Matthew 14, 22. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into, the, into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Excited to preach to you this morning uh, a message on, on the idea of focus. Well, this morning we uh, are focusing on a passage in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 to 33, but we're going to uh, bring it down even further there and, and take a look at Matthew uh, chapter 14 and verse 28 and, and uh, read from verse 28 to 31. Just real quickly again, it says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Did you ever have just so much going on in life that it was just really hard to focus on any one thing? I feel like that happens a lot, especially in today's culture. We've got so much going on all the time. Sometimes it can become very difficult to focus. I feel like that happens a lot on the road. I don't know that we go, a, you know, a week's time without seeing some kind of an accident here or there. Just the focus that is required to be on the road, the focus that is required to live life, the focus that is required to, uh, to do tasks in life when everything else is swirling around us. I remember when I was growing up as a, as a teenager, uh, I was in the Boy Scouts, and I know some of you have, have done the same. <clears throat> I never, never reached Eagle Scout, but uh, uh, I, I was in Boy Scouts there, and I remember going to camp one summer, and, uh, and there was a lot of merit badges that I was trying to accomplish. I was trying to accomplish nine merit badges that one summer. Matt, you would, Matt, like nine is a lot, right, for one week? That's a lot for one week. <laughs> um, it was my goal. I didn't quite get there. And the reason is because this. I was taking the archery merit badge. Have you taken the archery merit badge? No? Uh, I, didn't, I didn't complete it. Here's why. There was 11 people taking the archery merit badge. And I was the 11th. For some reason, I got to be the 11th guy. Okay, so there was 10, 10 targets. Is that what you call them? Targets? There was 10 targets, and there was 11 guys. And so I'm the 11th guy. And the, uh, the instructor 
Australian, very heavy accent, super cool. I liked it. It was, it was a neat accent. I liked having archery with this guy. Uh, but he was very strict in, in the way that he was giving his instructions. And so we all were doing our, our archery and, and uh, very specific instructions. And, and we get up there, and, and the 10 go out there, and they shoot their, their arrows, and they all hit the targets. We're not. Uh, and then when they're done, he instructs them that they can go and retrieve, the, tr- retrieve their arrows. And so he, they go, and they get their arrows, and they come back. And then it's my turn to do it by myself. So I get down on the line. I shoot all the arrows that I have. And then I start walking forward to go retrieve my arrows, and I get yelled at. And I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't try and do the accent, okay, so don't, but he says, you need to come back here right now. I did not instruct you to go retrieve your, well, the reason that we, were, that we had, had to wait for the instruction was because other people were shooting the arrows at the same time, and I just thought, there's nobody else shooting arrows right now. I'm good to go. I was done. It was over. He did not like that I decided to go forward and retrieve my arrows. I came back up onto the platform. I turned in my bow and the arrows, and on the back of my hand, and with a sharpie, he wrote, dead. It was it. I was done. I was out of the merit badge for the week. So I never went back to, to try and get my archery merit badge. But I had a certain focus, but it was not a focus on exactly the right thing. I should have been more focused on, on his instructions as well as, you know, shooting the arrows at the target and all that kind of thing. But my focus was not there. I lost focus. I forgot the instruction to wait for him to tell me to go retrieve the arrows. Uh, we're going to take a look at the disciples and, and, and take a look at Peter here. Uh, but before we do, let's just pray real quick, and, and uh, we'll, we'll jump into this message this morning. Lord, we do thank you for this morning once again. Lord, I pray you just help us to glean something from your word this morning. Help us to, uh, to see uh, what you would have for us today, Lord God. Well, thank you for it. We love you. We th- pray, pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So we take a look at the focus of the disciples. Uh, the disciples are out on the sea. Uh, it's, the, the sea is toil, they are toiling and rowing, as Mark chapter 6 puts it. The ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary, as our, our chapter of, of the Bible says it, Matthew chapter 14, verse 24. And I have a question for you. Do you remember what was happening before all of this? So they're out on the sea, the wind is happening, the storm is happening, but what, what happened before all of this? Well, let me give you just a couple of quick things. A, a, a little ways back, John the Baptist was horrifically killed. He was horrifically murdered, uh, and the disciples then went and they gathered his body, they buried it, and then they returned to Jesus to tell Jesus what had taken place. That's a stressful event. That's a stressful thing. Uh, and so they returned to Jesus, and, and we see that in Matthew 14, uh, verse 12. And then Jesus sends out the 12 to minister. Uh, and, and so they go out, and Mark, Mark chapter 6, verse 12 and 13, a parallel passage, passage says, And when they went out they, and, and preached that men should repent, and they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them, they come back, uh, and then they come back to Jesus once again. And so they, they go out, and they're, they're doing these things. They're serving, and, and they're, they're witnessing to people. And then Jesus says to them in Mark 6, 31, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while and so they're supposed to go, and they're supposed to go and rest. What happens? They don't rest, right? <laughs> the feeding of the 5,000 takes place. That probably was a stressful event for the disciples. They didn't have the faith that they needed. Uh, these things were all go- There was probably more than 5,000 people. Uh, it was 5,000 men and then women and children along with that. And now they're out on the sea. They're out on the Sea of Galilee. And, and, and so these things are happening in the disciples' lives, and the focus that is required for all these different things, and maybe the lost focus that is taking place. And, and I wonder which disciple might, might need the most focus, or might, might, need, might need the most help 
as far as his focus was concerned. And I'd venture to guess maybe it was Peter. I don't know. We could talk about and debate the different, different disciples and different uh, guys that were there. But Peter, it was Peter that took Jesus aside to rebuke him for speaking, uh, speaking of his death in Matthew 16, 22. Uh, he was swiftly corrected by the Lord in 16, 23. It was Peter who suggested uh, erecting three tabernacles to honor Moses, Elijah, and Jesus in Matthew 17, 4, and fell to the ground in fearful silence at God's glory in verse 5 and 6. It was Peter who drew his sword and attacked the servant of the high priest in John 18, 10, and was immediately told to sheath his weapon in the next verse. It was Peter who boasted that he would never forsake the Lord, even if everyone else did in Matthew 26, 33, he later denied that he even knew the Lord in 70 through 74. It was Peter then, as we're talking about this morning, who decided to walk out onto the water and promptly then took his eyes off of Jesus and began to sink. So, so Peter is doing all these things. We might decide that Peter needs some focus in his life. He needs maybe a little bit of restraint and maybe needs a little bit of uh, 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 listening ability in his life. And, and, but he does all of these things. And this morning we're talking about Peter being out on the water there. And, and uh, we're going to be focusing again on these four verses this morning that we just read. Uh, but we're going to jump into that first point this morning. And, and uh, the idea of a boldness to live. Peter has a boldness to live. And we see that in verse 28, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Have you ever been, have you ever been asked um, if, you would, if you would like to live or visit another era of time? I've been asked that before. You know, would you, would you like to visit or live in the early 1900s or the 1800s or the 1700s? I, I would never. <laughs> Some people, historians and, and people that like that kind of a thing, I love air conditioning. And I love heat. And I love candy. There wasn't all the We didn't have Snickers bars in the 1800s, I don't think. We could do some research and find that out. Jeff's going to be on that in a second. But I love where God has placed me in time uh, and, and the technology that is available today, the advances that have even taken place in the last 20 years. I'm 41. If you're my age or a little younger or a little older, you remember when Google came out and we could put in 43100 Center Street to and then wherever your destination was going to be. And you would have immediately exactly right directions to go to that place, my mind is, was blown, you know, because I, I used to drive uh, uh, for a company and had to use map books and things like that to figure out how to get around. Google was amazing, but it wasn't long after that. What happened? GPS. I remember the moment that I was done with, map, with paper maps and went on to GPS. It was at 3 a.m., and I was driving a large group of teenagers from Maryland to Kentucky, and it was... I had all my maps. They were all laid out. Everything was all ready to go. And then I had this funny machine on the dash that somebody said, hey, use this GPS machine. You might like it. And so I have this thing on the dash, and I got my paper maps, and I'm like, okay, I'm probably going to use the paper maps because I don't know what this thing's going to do. It's 3 a.m. It's dark. There's no way I'm seeing the paper maps. And I start driving, and it starts telling me which way to go. And I'm like, whoa, paper maps, see ya. I'm done with those. And that was the last time I ever printed any Google map ever. <laughs> the technology is amazing. 
But here's the, here's the thing, ready? Isn't it funny that God still astonishes us and impresses us with the miracles of Jesus Christ? With all the technology that we have today, don't you think that we would have dupli duplicated at least one? We have not walked on the water yet, my friends. Jesus literally walked on water. He stepped foot out into a storm on the Sea of Galilee. I looked it up. Today, the Sea of Galilee is between 84 and 141 feet deep. That's a big body of water. Two or three years ago, Chris, Chris and Leah and I and, and the dog, uh, we, we took a little, little trip to a, a place called Lake Piru. And we took a, a boat out. It was this pontoon boat, a little party boat, but it was just, a couple, just the three of us and the dog. And we rented the pontoon boat, and we took the, a picnic with us, and, and we get there, and, and they set you up with your life vests, and they give you a quick, quick tutorial on how to drive the boat, and you're off. Well, it wasn't five minutes into it. Leah was driving the boat, so it was a good time, right? <laughs> um, we were having a good time. Uh, Chris, you know, and this was the plan all along, but Chris, at one point, we're out in the, in the middle of the lake, jumps into the water. And, you know, just to go for a swim, it was, it was great. It was fine. The dog jumped right in after her. The dog had never touched any other water other than the bathtub. Um, so very scary for Chris and Leah. I was a little bit excited. <laughs> All right. But I, I was the one that saved the dog. Uh, you know, I grabbed it out of the water, and it stayed on, this, on the seat of the, of the uh, boat for the rest of the entire trip. Chris, on the other hand, was floating away from the boat. Uh, it was like the slightest bit choppy, okay? And the wind was, uh, it was there a little bit, and so nobody was driving. The, we, were, we were blowing away from Chris, and she was floating off into the distance, and she was toiling in swimming. Um, we quickly, I quickly grabbed the steering wheel and, and got the boat around and went, went and picked her up. But it got a little sketchy for, for a few seconds, for a few minutes there. And, and Chris, Chris got back onto the boat. We realized, man, even the adults, her and I, if we're going into the water, we want to have our life vests on. Um, it was not, it, it was a little scary. It was a little scary. Um, the Sea of Galilee is many times bigger than what we were in. Sea of Galilee is eight miles wide and 13 miles long. And by the way, there was a raging storm happening at the same time. But Peter takes the step. Peter takes the step. He boldly steps out onto the Sea of Galilee in the middle of this storm. It is not calm. Who here would have thought the same as Peter? We're all sitting in the room, nice comfortable chairs. Now you're in a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Storm's happening. You see a figure out on the water. Who here is calling to that figure and saying, hey, can I come out there? Peter was bold. There's a boldness in Peter's life to, to do what he has done. There's a boldness to live literally for and toward Jesus Christ. So here's an application for you today. Let's live with a boldness like Peter had. Let's live with a boldness in our lives to live toward and for Jesus Christ. How many times does God give us opportunity and we sit comfortably on the living room sofa because our routine says, not now, God. I'm doing what I've always done. 
God is doing amazing things around us. He's doing amazing things. Do we want to be a part of it? Do we want to be a part of that? We ask ourselves the question, hey, we might fall. We might get hurt. We might. Should that prevent us? Should that prevent you from taking that step toward Christ? Not a chance. This is a real-life illustration about living for God boldly. Does this mean that we need to go down to Burke Lake and give it a try? No, <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> and we're not doing anything crazy like CBC is not going to sponsor the next skydiving trip, you know, with, with parachute optional. That's not what we're doing, okay? Um, but it does mean, though, that you have the ability and the capability to step out in faith and live, to live your life, to try new things for Jesus Christ. I'll tell you this. P Peter did not think that he was going to be walking on water when he ate breakfast that morning. He didn't. I'm going to give you a couple of quick things, not an exhaustive list by any means, but I'm going to give you a couple of quick things on what you can do like today, maybe different than what you have done before today. And while I'm reading these, I'm going to have Leah come up. I didn't share this with Leah. I told Leah that I was going to have her come up, but I didn't tell her what I was going to have her do, so hopefully it's okay. <laughs> and Leah, you can just take a seat in the chair right there while you're waiting, because I'll be, I'll be with you in just a second. All right. Here are some things that we can actively do starting in half an hour from now. And maybe you're doing them. That's great. But number one, actively love Jesus. The more I comprehend his love, the more I cannot help but love him. Number two, love his word. Did you know that his word is good news to you? And it, it helps your soul. It helps you in your life. When you read it, it's a comfort and a conviction in your life to live for him and to live better. Number three, love your family. There is no time for unresolved conflict, offense, or harbored bitterness. God gives us this life to express his love and grace to everyone. Why not then choose to live it living lighter and loving better? That's been our curriculum in small groups. Living lighter and loving better with our family. Number four, loving God's people. We have a church family and friends that we are blessed to have strength and encourage us. Number five, love seekers. What do I mean by that? These are people that, that may be near you that need the gospel. These are people that you can go and tell. These are people that you can invite to come and see the Savior. Number six, live generously. Number seven, live joyfully. Philippians 4.19 tells me, but my God shall supply all, all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So this morning, we need to take the step. That's the first thing. We need to take the step. Be bold and take the step. Now, this is not the Sea of Galilee, but I did paint it blue. I'm going to have Leah. Here, she's going she's gonna to try this. It's, it's, a, it's a balance beam, but your dad made it. So does that give you comfort or no? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. So what I want you to do, and this is, this, is a little, this is why I had my daughter do it and not anybody else, because if she hurts herself, no. Um, <clears throat> okay, 
But what you're going to do is you're going to hear, stand right here on the end, and I want you to, you're, you're going to take a step onto the balance beam, and you're going to walk toward me on the balance beam, but you're not allowed to look down. You're looking down. Look up, look up at me. Look up at me. I'll let you, you find with your foot, find with your foot that first step. Don't look down. Don't look down. And just start walking. Okay. Good job. Now you can, you can take a seat down there again. I wanna, and, I'll, and I'll talk to everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Now she had some pressure on her to not mess up. She didn't know what she was going to do right there. And I, and I grabbed her hand partway through, which was a help, I think. And I helped her to not, not be embarrassed, which I was kind of hoping that you would just kind of slip off there and, and not hurt yourself, but that would have helped my illustration a little bit. <laughs> we need to take the step boldly. She didn't know what was going to happen. She didn't know whether she was going to fall off or stay on. And I told her she wasn't even allowed to look down. She wasn't allowed to look down. And, and, and that brings us to our next point. So we've talked about a boldness to live. Now we're going to talk about a lost focus. A lost focus. A failure in faith on Peter's part. Matthew 14, it says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Peter failed. He stepped out in faith, but he failed. Was Jesus taking care of Peter when he was out of the boat and still above water? Yes. Was it necessary for Peter to understand any of his other circumstances outside of his focus on Jesus Christ? No. But I ask you to put yourself in his shoes. They're wet, by the way. Would it be necessary to see if a wave might be heading your direction? Would it be necessary to adjust your focus so that you can make sure the wind, which was heavy, was not blowing you over? Would it be necessary to know your circumstances so that you can make sure that you have a correct footing as to not fall? Those are all good, good ideas. And you saw Leah on the, on the balance beam. When, when is the last time y'all were on a, on a balance beam? It's been a long time for me, except for after I made this. I tried it one time to make sure it wouldn't break in half. It's been a long time for me. But listen, you're on a, let's pretend you're on the balance beam. We'll have everybody come up at the end. No, we won't. Um, don't look down. Just start walking. There's a certain focus that is required, a certain circumspection of everything going on around you so that you can be successful in the task at hand. Jesus said, I am the focus, and I am also the goal. Let me take it a different direction. Follow me with this. How many think that dressing a specific way is necessary to ultimately please God? The answer is, of course not. Now, there, there might be certain ways that would be displeasing, but is dressing a specific way ultimately uh, necessary to please God. Here's a harder question. How many think that you should have a balanced budget? 
How many think that you should serve in some capacity at CBC, at Community Baptist? How many think that coming to church today was the right thing for you to do? How many think that you should give to missions? How many think that you should have certain requirements and regulations and and some standards in your life? But I ask you this morning, where is your focus? Listen to this. It's deeper than church attendance. It's deeper than than serving or, or helping as a youth leader or a choir member or a nursery worker or an usher. Is your faith in Jesus Christ this morning or is it in all of the peripherals that quote unquote make you a good Christian? What you do with your time, your talent, your treasure, they should all flow from the faith that you have in Jesus Christ. In split seconds, Peter took his eyes off of Christ. He lost focus because he thought there was something else more important that he might need to be aware of. We're talking about something that is deeper than surface obedience. We're talking about a heart relationship. So yeah, a balanced budget is a good thing. Serving at CBC is a good thing. Coming into church today, good. Giving to missions, yes. Having standards in your life, yes. But what is your focus? What is your focus? Is it those things or is it Jesus? I think that many today feel like they may be drowning in that sea of sin and lost focus with nothing firm to stand on. This morning, do you have a head knowledge? Do you have a head understanding of who Jesus Christ is? Or do you have a heart relationship with him? Point number two this morning is where Peter messes up. He messes up. And you ask yourself this morning, where have you maybe lost focus? Today, yesterday, this last week, where have you lost focus? Peter lost focus. We're going to find out now what happens to Peter. A repentant heart is our next point. A boldness to live, a lost focus, a repentant heart. A cry for help. He's crying for help. Matthew 14, 30, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried saying, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. The shortest prayer in the Bible. Lord, save me. When I think about different people who are recorded in the Bible, who who have maybe lost focus, and, and, and those that are asking God for help, I'm immediately drawn to David. You think about David, you think about the Psalms, a man after God's own heart. He took, uh, his book of Psalms is full of, is full of ups and downs of, of his life and his continual reach for God to help him, to save him, to protect him. He knew for sure that he needed God. Did he ever mess up? Oh yeah. Over and over. But he knew that God was the source of help. David knew that God loved him. David knew that God would love him every time that he made that mistake. You know that by reading the Psalms. Psalm 51 was written after being confronted by Nathan in David's sin with Bathsheba. Do you remember the parable that Nathan gives? A rich man and a poor man. And the rich man ends up taking the only lamb that the poor man owns. David shares with Nathan how horrible this atrocity is. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, Nathan says, Thou art the man. He goes on to share with David all that God had done for him and then the evil that David had committed against God in direct comparison to the euphemistic parable that Nathan gives. He says this, Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife. 
and has slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. David, hearing this rebuke, is clear in his head and states, I have sinned against the Lord. And God loves David and preserves his life. But his son does die. Seven days David fasts and prays in hopes that of God sparing his son. He did not. Psalm 51 gives us 19 verses and, and, and the different things that David called out to God with. And, and just some of them are this. Have mercy upon me. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me throughly. Cleanse me. Purge me with hyssop. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Hide thy face from thy, my sins. Blot out all mine iniquities. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. And then we get those great verses in Psalm 51, verses 10 through 12. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. So God preserves David's life. David is prostrate to God and in prayer and fasting, but he went to God. He didn't hide himself because of his sin. He confessed it. He lost focus, realized it, and went to God with it. There is one way. There is one way that, that you will not be rescued, that Jesus will not rescue you, that he won't forgive you, and that he won't be there for you. Christ cannot be your refuge if you don't remember he's there. The parallel passage that we're, that we're speaking about uh, in, in Matthew 14 is Mark 6. We've mentioned that a few times, but verse 48 says, And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. Would have passed by them. But the next couple of words are the difference. It says, but when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. They cried out. And he ends up talking to them. But it said it and, and would have passed by them. This morning, point number three is where Peter cries out to God. Now, if everyone in here this morning is perfect, this is not for you, okay? In which case, the sermon is just for me. But I venture to guess that there may be some in here, some people in here this morning that have lost focus at some point. Cry out for help. That's what, that's what Peter did right here. Cry out. It can be a short prayer like Peter, or it can be a longer one like David. But be honest, be real, be intentional in your prayer to God. Can I tell you a secret? God gets enough of those holier-than-thou type prayers. God wants to, wants to hear your genuine, real heart. I prayed in a group one time. This is a number of years ago. And uh, uh, there, was, there was a man leading the prayer time. And uh, we each went around the room and we prayed kind of popcorn prayers and, and that kind of a thing. And we each prayed. And the, at the end of, of the prayer time, uh, he convicted my heart because he said this. He said, as our heads were still bowed, he said, okay, now that we've gotten the formal niceties out of the way, Let's really pray. I thought, wow. And, and, and the other part of the secret is I, I was the youth leader in the room and the rest, the rest were teenagers. And he was talking to me too. Really pray. Really pray. Do you have faith enough to ask for help, to reach out for help, 
to remember him. And then beyond remembering, are you humble enough to ask? It's that whole, I don't need directions because I know exactly where I'm going kind of thing. Do you, are you humble enough to realize that you need to ask for help? Ask for help. You, you get over here on, on the balance beam and, and you think that you're going to do it all by yourself. I don't, I'm worse at this than Leah is. I, wouldn't be able, I, don't, I don't think I would be able to make it across. I need to ask for help. Am I humble enough to do so? Or is my pride going to prevent me from doing so and, and just make me fall even further? Do you have that? Are, are, are you willing to ask for help? Are you willing to do so? Are you humble enough to do so? I'll tell you this. This morning at the end, we're going to have a prayer time. And you can pray there in your seat or you can come to the front here and just kneel at the stairs. But kneel and talk to God about your sin or your struggle or your trial that you might be in right now. And listen, let's just say this right off the bat. No one is going to wonder why it may be that you are up at the front praying because we're all going to be praying. We're going to be praying that we could become more like Peter in his faith to take that step toward Christ. I'll say this too, if you do want to talk this, mor this morning to someone uh, because you're unsure about the things that we're, that we're speaking about or you've heard about Jesus and know things in your head about him but you're confused about what it means to, to know him in your heart, you come. You come. We'll find a lady in the church for a lady that could help you and talk to you about these things. We'll find a man for a man that's in the church and, and you can talk to them about these things to know in your heart, to have that real genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the goal. That's the goal. And so we see this boldness to live. We see this lost focus of Peter's. And we see his repentant heart. And then lastly this morning, we're going to take a look at a loving Savior. A loving Savior. Verse 30 says, But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And the next three words are awesome. It says, And immediately Jesus he didn't think about it. He wasn't wondering whether you're good enough or not. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Leah, can you come back up real quick, just real quick? Immediately Jesus loved Peter. Go ahead and try the balance beam one more time. Don't look down. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Step right on the middle there. There you go. Immediately, right? Thank you. That was probably more embarrassing than the first time. <laughs> immediately, Jesus loved Peter. Jesus immediately loves you right now. There's no waiting for it. Peter didn't grab Jesus' hand. That's not what it says. It says Jesus caught Peter. Peter was not even in a position to be able to reach out. He was falling. Have you ever fallen? He was desperate. Have you ever been desperate? He was scared. Have you ever been scared? He messed up. Have you ever messed up? Here's the cool part. Jesus loves us in spite of us. Doesn't matter who you are. 
doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus loves you anyway. It's amazing that Jesus in his sovereignty and omniscience and omnipotence and all that he is, he immediately reached down and caught Peter. God always helps. He knows exactly where you are today and exactly what you need today. And so this morning, we want to remember a couple of things. We want to walk away this morning knowing that you are capable. You are capable to take a step. You're capable to live for him. You're capable to try new things for him. You're capable to walk out the door today and decide, I'm going to do this for Jesus today that I didn't do for him yesterday. You're capable to take a step and to be bold. You're capable to live for him. You're also capable to lose focus. Everybody in here is. We're all sinners. There's a chance that we could sin even today. But after that happens, you're also capable to be humble and to know that Jesus is there to catch you. You need to ask him for help. Ask him for help. Be humble enough. Know that you need to ask and then ask. And then lastly, know that Jesus immediately loves you, just like Peter. Jesus immediately loves you. So live boldly for him. Cry to him when you're hurting, when you failed, when you need help. Know that you have an amazing Savior that you will love, that he will love you immediately. There's a great song that we're going to have sung in just a moment. But I, I wrote some of the lyrics down, uh, and I want to read those to you. Uh, because what you'll see in here is you'll see a cry for help. And then you'll see that Jesus catches us and he loves us. But I'll, I'll read it to you. It's this. Uh, it says this. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. The second verse says this, Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken. I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. And then the chorus says, hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. This morning, let's have that hope. Let's realize the need for us to maybe take a new step, to take a bold step. This morning, remember that if you mess up, Jesus is there to catch you. Ask him for help. Ask him for help. Live boldly for him this morning.